0: So if you're offering snack foods just as snacks and meal foods just as meals, that's the number one thing you can start to do is start to cross over so that snack foods are offered at meals and the meal foods are offered at snacks. This begins to neutralize that playing field. Again, not categorizing foods as healthy or unhealthy, better or worse, junk or balanced. Instead, we are simply just going about this in a way that allows kids to understand all foods can be offered and enjoyed. and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the meal times, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. I know this summer you may already be struggling with how do you serve your kids healthy snacks? It often seems it's as simple as buying something that's a little bit healthier or swapping out that high sugar, high fat, highly processed option for something that's a more nutritious alternative. But the reality is There's a lot of mistakes, myths, and misconceptions that we as parents are assuming over our kids' snacking habits that are holding our family back. So because I know it's a goal of yours to add variety, to improve picky eating, and ultimately to have your kids show up at meals with an appetite because they haven't been grazing all afternoon, I want you to stick with me for this episode. I going to cover seven reasons why healthy eating isn't sticking at snack time and talk about some of the excuses that are keeping you stuck. So the first thing I want us to discuss is the myth that we need to label snack foods as healthy or unhealthy. Oftentimes what we do here as parents is we think if we try and convince our kids this is healthy, it's going to motivate them to eat it. However, that's just not the case. Throughout research and throughout experience of working with thousands of different families, I know that giving the food this type of hierarchy and saying this one's healthy or that's junk or any of the labels that we can put on foods can really skew the way our kids perceive them and the relationship with food that they have with them. So if you're trying to motivate your children to have healthier snacks, simply by labeling them some arbitrary term, I encourage you not to do that. The only label that I really think is helpful on food, other than the name it's given itself, like an orange or a banana or a cheese stick, is to conceptually use something like my Level Up Snack Guide. This is where we can assess foods by our hunger level and how much food we may need to help us fill a gap in a certain amount of time. There, the only label we're using is something like a level one, two, or three to try and help our children gauge some foods fill us up more than others. We're not talking about calories. We're not talking about protein, fat, or fiber, the three things that really help a snack to be more filling. Instead, we are just categorizing foods not in a tier of what's healthy or unhealthy or better or worse, but simply which foods are gonna fill you up for longer. So when you download this free guide, you can simply think, I need a level one snack right now, or it's gonna be a long time until dinner, let's find a level three snack so that it'll satisfy our hunger level for longer. And that's simply a matter of categorizing it to help us understand which foods fuel our body for longer. Outside of that, one of the mistakes parents make. And one of the myths that we often believe is that by labeling a food as better or worse, healthier, unhealthy, it's going to impact the way our kids eat. And that simply is not effective. The second myth that parents often believe is that that their child is just a cereal snacker. Majority of the families I work with, when they first come to me, they say, my kid just is obsessed with snacks. Everything they love is a snack food and it's so hard to get them to eat a mealtime food. Now there's a lot of reasons why this can happen and there's a lot of things we can do to help get you out of a situation like this if it's one that you find yourself in. However, believing that myth that your child's just a cereal snacker or believing that myth that they only love snack foods is simply that, it's a myth. Because children can learn to like lots of different foods and even if they tend to lean towards preferring kind of your traditional snack foods, that's not the only thing they like. Typically what happens is we see that kids can graze on these foods. And this is something that I wanna talk about a lot in the upcoming episodes, but as we see kids who like to graze on snack foods, oftentimes what's happening is that their appetite regulation is never really dipping down to perpetuate them to explore more foods. Instead, we're offering them a lot of these level one snacks, the snacks that lack protein or fat or fiber and only fill them up a little bit. And so they're able to just kind of graze on snack foods all day instead of having appetite regulation that ebbs and flows, not enough for starving or stuffing, but instead for just appropriate appetite regulation where meals and snacks are separated enough that they know I'm hungry. I want more than just a simple snack right now. I want to branch out and eat some of these other foods as a meal or as snacks can very easily be mini meals. So if you're offering snack foods just as snacks and meal foods just as meals, that's the number one thing you can start to do is start to cross over so that snack foods are offered at meals and the meal foods are offered at snacks. This begins to neutralize that playing field. Again, not categorizing foods as healthy or unhealthy, better or worse, junk or balanced. Instead, we are simply just going about this in a way that allows kids to understand all foods can be offered and enjoyed at any time. And the only real category we need to think about here is are they selling up on level one snacks or kind of those traditional snack foods that I see a lot of kids hooked on, or are they seeing that there's different times for different types of foods? The third myth that I often see is that parents believe their kids simply won't eat healthier options. This is often when I hear families say, oh, I've tried that, or I've done this, or we did that. And I know it's frustrating. My kids, none of my three kids have been ones to just instantly take to the new foods that I offer since infancy and into early childhood. And so I understand that sometimes we can buy food, and this will get me into the fourth point, but sometimes we can buy healthier options of things and our kids don't take to it. So I wanna encourage you to listen to the rest of the episodes to come in the coming weeks, because I'm gonna talk about some of the ways that we can get out of this rut and we can help our kids to branch out. But if you're believing the myth that your child will not eat healthier options, I encourage you to make sure that you have a Love It Like It Learning It list complete so that you can begin to see what are some of those steps that you can make so that there are changes to the foods that they prefer that are big enough to notice, small enough that they don't care. Because sometimes we want our kids to go from veggie straws to carrot sticks. But for a lot of kids, that's just too big of a jump. It's big enough that they notice and big enough that they care, where we may need to be a little bit more strategic about how do we make baby steps so that we can jump from one less healthful to more healthful alternative and we can find out how all these different foods fit. Another myth that families often find themselves is that healthy snacks are expensive. This is often the fourth myth, but this is also one of the quickest ones that I see shut families down because leaning back on the other one, if our kids don't eat the healthy options, it makes it that much more negative reinforcement for us that we even want to buy those options because often there is the perception that they're more expensive. Of course, there's ways for us to reduce the cost of these types of foods and to make healthy snacks more affordable, And if you have my combination cards, you know that I show that there's a spectrum. Sometimes we're investing our time in order to save money, and sometimes we're investing our money in order to save time. So there is a relationship there at times with what options are more expensive because it saves us the time of having to, say, prep it at home. So what you need to do is evaluate where in your food budget budget is there room for healthy snack options, and then find options that fit. Things like banana, yogurt and simple options like that can be really affordable if done correctly. However, sometimes it's just being more strategic that instead of buying higher priced yogurt tubes that your kids prefer, maybe you're buying a larger yogurt container. That might be one of those small shifts that's big enough for them to notice, small enough that they don't care, but it gradually helps you meet your financial and food budget goals because you're making modification that leaves margin for other options. So that if you do want to buy a more expensive alternative to a granola bar or to cereal or to the type of bread you're buying for toasts or sandwiches or snack foods like that, then you're creating a little bit of buffer all within your food budget. Another myth that parents believe is that you're stuck. So often we can find ourselves getting closer and closer and closer to a rut and then we just stay there because our belief system is convincing us that we're stuck and we can't get out, that healthy food is expensive and we'll never be able to afford it that we've tried offering it and our kids don't eat it. And it regurgitates a lot of these myths that we believe and it further drives us down into that pit of, I don't even know how to get out of this. I don't even know how to help my kid snack any healthier than they already are. And the reason that this is an important myth for us to identify and take action on is because I have never met a family that can't make a next step. I have never worked with someone who isn't able to take action and change their environment for their feeding approach. We can always take baby steps out, but we have to first identify that we're believing a myth that says there's no way out. So if you're looking at it this summer and seeing, man, I really feel stuck. I feel like over the school year, we've just repeated the same bad habits or continue to offer the same foods that just aren't fueling my kid appropriately, take that next step. Identify what that looks like for you. I've mentioned a lot of different tools and resources in this episode, but there might be ones that you need to take yourself. For example, if you haven't downloaded my level up snack guide, it's a free resource for you and it can automatically help you to make a baby step forward. Kids love the visuals. They'll instantly look at it and begin to identify some of the options that they want that are often and most likely not the ones that are on your current snack rotation. So this is going to be one step forward to help get you unstuck and moving forward. Additionally, on the last page of this guide, there's a link. You can book a three, excuse me, a free 30 minute session with me where we can strategize about what is your snacking strategy, what is that best next step that you can make so that you are getting unstuck and moving forward towards goals that are realistic for your family. Additionally, you might look at needing an additional resource. Beyond something like this, each of the images that are taken on the Level Up Stack come from my combination cards. Those are a great option where you can select the digital download, which is the more economical option, and you can have it with you on the go at the store share it with your husband or another caretaker really easily so all of, it you ha- all of you have digital access to it. Or you can buy something like the physical set. This gives the same visuals that are on that level up snack guide, but it gives you some options that you can begin thumbing through to see which options might help you take that next step, which are some ideas that may be able to be incorporated so that next week doesn't look the same as last week. You're slowly, progressively taking action and making improvements in your family's diet. The sixth myth that we need to understand is not true, is that you've ruined your kid. Hopefully, you're starting to feel that stirring inside of you with each of these myths that I've mentioned so far, because a lot of us, if we've made mistakes as moms, we hold that guilt. We hold onto that shame, and sometimes it's what perpetuates us for feeling stuck, because we're so thick in the mistakes that we've made that we can't see the hope and the future that is in front of us to take some of those baby steps that there is grace and that we haven't ruined our children yet. I've worked with families who even have kids outside the home and they can look back on motherhood and say, oh my goodness, I raised my kid to have a relationship with food that was all wrong. And as older adults, they start to identify some of the things that they wish to do different. And even then we can impact the generations to come. I've worked with grandmothers, many of grandmothers who want to recreate the relationship with food that their family has. And they may have missed their opportunity with their own kids, but they see an opportunity with their grandkids. And so I promise you that whether your kids are in the womb and you're just preemptively looking into how to feed your family, or you have four kids back to back through elementary, through high school, or you're already an empty nester and you're just starting to identify some of these areas of your own relationship with food that you can improve, but also things that you can do to help positively shape your family's Relationship with food, I want to reassure you, you haven't ruined your kids and it's not too late and they're not too far gone. We can always make improvements, but we have to start with taking that first step to identify some of these false beliefs that we have, to recognize the myths that we've been often leaning on and using as our excuse for why we're not taking action and ultimately get the support that we need to encourage us that we can do this, that we can continue to live in that grace and make those steps forward, but also that we can take action and that there's doable things for us each and every day to improve our family's future with whatever that starting point is. The seventh and final myth that I want you to consider is that of what we often consider a snack. For a lot of us who were raised with a diet culture surrounding us, in early adolescence, through our college and teenage, or excuse me, through our teenage and college and young adult years, a lot of us associate a snack with a 100-calorie pack. We're used to the marketing and we're used to the messaging that that's what constitutes a snack. Except once we've become moms and maybe we've been breastfeeding or during pregnancy and we see an increase in appetite, we often learn firsthand that those foods are not going to fuel us very long. They're not bad. They're not unhealthy. Some of them have misconceiving or misleading marketing messages that I don't necessarily agree with. However, they're simply a level one snack. And circling back to some of the first myths that I mentioned, what we need to redefine in our mind is what defines a snack. If your child is obsessed with snack foods, then we may need to look at what are we even calling a snack food? We might think that a snack is only a level one food, and then we wonder why our child Only wants goldfish crackers or graham crackers or fruit snacks for a snack. And they're not wanting to eat more well-balanced meals. If our idea of a snack is simply a 100 calorie equivalent of anything, then we will likely struggle with offering our children more variety and ultimately improved nutrition in the snacks that we offer because we've limited it to a lot of level one options that just don't have the protein, the fat, and the fiber that our families, ourselves, and our kids included need to be filled up. So I want you to overcome that myth that a snack is a 100-calorie equivalent, begin practicing it in your own life, and begin branching out to incorporate level one, level two, level three snack options so you can begin to experience firsthand what does it feel like to be fueled by varying foods? What do you need at different times when a more substantial snack may be the most appropriate snack option? Begin to practice this and work through this on your own so that you can do the inner work on what a snack looks like to you and what you believe about snacks. Because if we have limiting beliefs that that's too many calories, that's going to make me fat, that's unhealthy, a lot of these messages that we've repeated in our mind for years, it's going to negatively impact our kids snacking habits and their relationship with food. So walk through overcoming these myths on your own and rewriting that belief system around what constitutes a snack so that you can identify some of the reasons that healthy eating isn't sticking for your family. I hope that one of these stuck with you today. If you want more of a deep dive into some of the myths around shall we approach snacking and what to do about them when it comes to not just summer snacking, setting a healthy relationship with food up for your family would be to download this free guide. It's a simple starting point that you can begin taking action on immediately. So you can begin breaking free of some of the myths or the beliefs that some foods are healthy and others aren't and instead you can start seeing how can you find snacks that level up to your child's hunger and appetite level. Next I want you to go to the workshop link that's coming up on June 15th. I'm going to be offering a free workshop to walk families through some of the strategies I have for healthy summer snacking so that you feel more encouraged. No matter how snack obsessed your child seems going into summer, I know that this workshop is going to not just encourage you, but also equip you with some of the tools that you need to feel and be more successful in this summer.